hosted on dimlywit.com. I'm Alex. And I'm Tina. And this is Obsessed with the Best. We're two New York City gals who are bringing you the best of the best of all things beauty, wellness, and inspirational women. We've tried it all and can't wait to tell you what's worth obsessing over. Join us each week as we share our favorite products and trends and chat with leading female founders and experts. Welcome to Obsessed Obsessed with with the Best with with Alex and Tina. Tina. Today, we're talking to the fabulous professional wedding photographer, Shanti Knight. She has been a wedding photographer for years. She's a pro and she works out of Chicago and New York City. We're talking with Shanti today to give you the ultimate wedding guide. Tina has done makeup for countless weddings. She's also been a maid of honor and a bridesmaid. I have been a New York City bride planning my wedding. I've also been the maid of honor twice and been a bridesmaid a lot of times. So between the three of us, we're kind of putting all of our expertise, all of our advice, all of our experience together to give you the ultimate wedding guide. This is a great episode to send a bride, a bridesmaid, a maid of honor, a mother of the bride, anyone in your life planning a wedding. So we hope you enjoy it. Shanti, I have to start with telling everyone how we met because it is such a weird little story. So this was back when I was living in Washington Heights. Actually, Tina was my roommate for some of those years. Mm -hmm. Shanti, you were living uptown too. So I was on the train, Tina. And I don't know if I know this story. You don't. (gasps) So I was on the story. train and I was being fully harassed by like a strange man. It was what? horrific. It was, it was really, really bad. It was like aggressive harassment. It was not good. And I feel like I blocked like out. Like verbal harassment. Yeah. Yes. I feel like I blocked out exactly <clears throat> what he was saying to me, but yeah. it was what I think we were on the express and like it, there was nowhere to get off. Like there was nowhere to escape mm-hmm. and it was a really crowded train. So from across the way, Shanti sees all this happening and like catches my eye and motions to me. She's like basically with her eyes saying like, come over here. I'll make room to sit for you to sit next to me. And I just saw her as this like safe haven and she saw exactly what was going on. And I like skedaddled over there and sat next to her. And I was like, thank you so much. And then we got to chatting and realized we were in very much of the same business in different ways. We lived in the same area. So then we exchanged information and we went on a coffee date. What? Yes. And then cut to when I did my Time's Up photo exhibit, which Tina totally would have been a part of, but she was performing on a cruise ship at the time. Um, (laughs) I had Shanti be a part of that project. Mm -hmm. And then anyway, we've kept in touch ever since. That is such an amazing story. It was pretty wild. I mean, I have to say like it, it just like, I mean, we all know like when you're in the city, it's part of, it's part of the deal. Like sometimes you're harassed and it's really uncool that it's part of the deal. But I think that like, we all know, like as women, what that's like when you feel so like the spotlight's on you in the worst way. And I just like, all I saw was like a terrible thing happening. I'm like, I know you, you just need to be next to someone right now. Like you need to feel like you are not alone in this, in this moment. Cause I, because we all know what it feels like for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah, I was just like, you need, we need to be standing next to each other. Like you need someone on your team. And like, I am inherently on your team because we are both women on this subway car. Like, that's- oh my God. I love that you guys are destined to meet each other. We really were. Yeah. We really were. We really were. So Shanti is a wedding photography vet. You've been doing it for so long. You do it in New York. You do it in Chicago. You're all over the place. So why are you interested in wedding photography specifically? I mean, it really goes back to like my childhood, like my earliest. I mean, I am. I'm such a girly girl. I love weddings. I have like a, you know, like a very, um, feminist mother who I think, you know, when I started, when I was just like such a femme child, she was like, I do not know what to do with this. Like she still is like, I don't know where you got any of this. Cause she's just like, I wanted to play bride. And she's like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. (laughs) 
but I always loved it. My dad actually is a wedding photographer and, um, he's owned his own studio for, I don't know, like 27 years or something. Um, and so I, I grew up in it. I, I remember just my earliest days of my dad owning his business and me seeing these brides. And I was just like, oh my God, they are princesses. They are real life princesses. And my dad gets to go hang out with them all day. Like I want to be where he's at. Like, you know, he would, he would like go hang out with princesses all day and then come home with cake. And I was like, <laughs> I, I like this. This sounds good. So, I mean, I never ever drop that enjoyment and that like, oh my God, I love this. And so when I was 12, he was like, I think I, I guess I've been asking him if I could start assisting him on weddings. And when I was 12, he was like, yeah, I think you can. So he started taking me on weddings as an assistant. And, um, so I was like, which, you know, at the time I was like, oh my God, finally. But like in retrospect, I'm like, he was bringing a 12 year old little girl to like carry his light stands and like carry his bags and like set up lighting for him. So I started assisting my dad at that point. And the thing that I did then, um, that was a huge part of kind of my understanding, like beyond just like, oh, taking pictures and like pretty brides and all that. Like my dad is, um, Alex, I think you've met, have you met my dad? No, but your my mom, mom <laughs> met your dad when you guys, so Shanti and her what? dad and my mom all had like a coffee date. Were you in St. Louis at the time? Yeah, we, came, yeah. we went to St. Louis and we like hung out with your mom. Yes. I love that. Everyone's like, whenever anyone's in St. Louis, they're like, I got to go see Kathy Ferrara. Like that's <laughs> you just- She's like the mother of St. Louis. <laughs> yes. She's oh, she's as much a breath of fresh air as, as you are, Alex. Like you are, you are both just that same energy of like, let's do cool stuff. Like, oh my gosh, you're so sweet. <laughs> no, it's so true. So anyway, my dad is like a very charming person and he's like very good at navigating weird social situations, which is a huge deal with weddings, right? Like you've got, sometimes you've got weird family dynamics and like, sometimes it's like, you know, whatever, there's all sorts of stuff. So I was watching my dad navigate stuff like that. But the other thing that I started doing when I was 12, that was like a huge influence on kind of understanding the structure of weddings was I would run the shoot list during formal portraits. And that was huge because I was like navigating. Again, I really can't believe it. Like in retrospect, I was like 12, 13, 14 years old, like navigating wedding parties and being like getting like all the groomsmen over here for a portrait or like whatever. And, but I got, I got really good at running a shoot list, like, because my dad would just be like, take it. Like you, you can run this, you know? And so I, yeah, I started when I was that age and then I started second shooting for my dad when I was like 19. Um, and then, you know, your life goes on. Right. Okay. So Shanti, you're, you're touching on this a little bit, but I'm, I'm curious because, you know, I work with a photographer almost every day. Alex works with photographers almost every day, but we both have very different experiences. I'm with makeup. I'm with headshots. Alex is with print or commercials. You're with weddings mostly. What is the difference being a wedding photographer as opposed to a headshot photographer or It's a great other question. Kind? I think for me, it's, it's a lot of things. I've worked in a vast array of photo environments. I've worked, I spent a lot of time in like an e-com studio for Crate and Barrel. And like those photographers, I remember that was where it really became clear to me because my dad is very much a people photographer. And so that's how I grew up. But working with those Crate and Barrel photographers specifically really helped me understand that difference because I remember looking at them and they are so skilled and they know their they know everything about their tool and they can master any shot, but they were like, don't even get me near a wedding. And what I started to understand is like quite a few things. It's like, (laughs) there's, there's the social aspect, which is huge. I mean, weddings are very social. And when, even while you're navigating like every, every, 
nuance of lighting and posing and and orchestrating you're also managing people the whole time and like and keeping really good vibes because it's somebody's wedding day and so there's definitely that aspect of it that there's like a definite like a social agility that is necessary and then there's also the pace of it the pace is really really fast and um i actually am training like a new second shooter right now and i was like you know the camera is even if you know the camera really well the one of the biggest learning curves for shooting weddings is the pace because you're switching gears so much. It's like you are doing still life photography when you're photographing details and you're doing editorial photography when you're doing like a lot of the um, preparations and, and photographing things as they happen. And then you're doing portrait photography with the couple and with their family and friends. And then you're doing party photography on speed light a little bit later. So it's like, there are, you are moving through so many types of photography in a space of 10 hours. And that's really, I know so many photographers who like, you know, you sink into it and you go, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm, you know, whatever I'm working in the studio today, or I'm working with a speedlight today, or I'm working with a reflector today. And it's like, no, on a wedding day, you're doing all of it. Like, and that's, I think a huge aspect of what makes it different is like the amount of work, the pace of the work and the variety of work that you're doing in that space of time. And, you know, unlike a commercial set, a, you know, print set, you're not saying, okay, everyone, 10 minute break. Okay. Lunch break. Like you are just, you go and whatever the day is you go. So can you describe a little bit, like, do you have time to eat? Do you have time to pee? Like that sort of physical stamina, like how do you manage that? I do a lot. Um, I definitely, you know, hydrating, good breakfast, green tea. Like I am, I, I intentionally try to create like a, a very healthy lifestyle that just from the start, I'm like working from like a, a really solid square one. I bring a lot of power bars, like protein bars or whatever with me. Um, I bring, this is so silly. I bring baby food because you don't need it. Like I get the pouches yeah. Um, you don't need a spoon and you can like get some fast cars because for me, that's the thing. It's like a protein bar. Like I get these like really amazing protein bars that I love. Um, but like sometimes you need that quick carb hit and you don't have time to like get a spoon or get a salad or whatever. And, and I don't want to eat something healthy. So like baby food is like, this is just pureed fruits and vegetables. Like it's that amazing. Brilliant. You it, know, and Jen Garner has her like once upon a farm. It's like not, it's literally just like a pureed sweet potato or something. And I actually have a personal trainer friend who does like back to back to back to back to back sessions. And she does the same thing. She's like, I'm going to get a hit of a sweet potato right now with this little pouch. I need to do, this is so, it's like, it's a marathon day. It's a marathon that we're running. I need to do this. Yeah. You do need to do this. What's the longest day you've had? Because I know for my wedding, I added time for my photography team because I wanted them there from my makeup start, which is at like 8am till as long as they could stay for the reception. So they didn't stay to the bitter end, but like that is a freaking long day. So like, what's the longest day you've been booked for? Well, you know, I've done so many different realms of this, you know, I, I, now my collections are based around time, right there. I, and I, I do that intentionally. I have different time blocks and I have, um, I have the way they can book me or they can add hours if they desire, but I work really closely with my clients on timeline to make sure that we have a really good idea of how we're spending our time. That said, that came out of working days that weren't well organized and therefore had like extremely long days that weren't, that didn't have to be that long, um, if they had been managed better. And so, I mean, I've probably done like a 16 hour day. Like I can't imagine that I haven't, (laughs) you know, now like my longest days are like 12 hours. Um, but even then it is, it's a long day. And I think it's like, you, you both know, you know, Alex, this is so silly, but I just listened to your, um, your very, very old episode, the New York odd jobs and oh you were my talking gosh. about being in those go-go boots 
dancing for like 16 hours. Yes, on One Life to Live. Oh my God. I was hired as like a dancer in a club scene. Yeah, it was a 16 hour day and like giant shoes by the end. I like couldn't walk. Yeah, you really And I was dancing. I wasn't like sitting in a chair in them. I was fully dancing for 16 hours. <laughs> I like the part where you were like, and then I shoved my like club foot stump back in that shoe. And I like was like shouting, laughing. It was so freaking funny. But it is. I mean, I think that both of you know from being on set, you just do it. Like sometimes it's not, sometimes you just do it. It's like I try to hydrate. I try to like eat where I can. Um you know, but even then there's always like, when we sit down for dinner at the reception, it's almost like after dinner is the hardest part because you're fine until you sit down and then you sit down and you're like, Oh God, I have to get back up again. (laughs) Like that's always the hardest part. I think is just the, the getting back up again. Um, but then you do it and you finish strong and you get in the car and and then you go home. And, and it feels so home. good. It feels so good when you like finally sit down. And you're like, I did it. I it's did it. It's so great. It's like exhilarating where you're like, I just shot a wedding, man. I just did the math this morning. I did 16 weddings this year. And it's like, wow. That wow. is huge. You is mentioned it? a little earlier about a second shooter. Can you explain what that is and why that's so important? Yes, absolutely. So Second shooter, you you hire your lead, right? If you hire Shanti Knight, you get Shanti Knight. That said, all personally, all of my collections include a second shooter. And I do that because it just, in my opinion, in my professional opinion, it's not fair to the client to not have a second shooter. There are a lot of reasons for this for me. I from the from the outset, it just makes sense because the demands of wedding photography are so different than they used to be. My dad, you know, has been photographing weddings for like 35 years or something. And he used to shoot weddings solo, no assistant, no second shooter shot it all on medium format film. You know, I mean, and, and the reason that was workable at that point was because brides had very different expectations from wedding photographers. They didn't expect 900 frames at the end of the day. They didn't expect photos of every single thing. Like there was, it was like, I want some lovely portraits of me and my dress. I want some lovely portraits of my family and friends. And like, you know, and I want some pictures of the ceremony. Like if you get beyond that, great. But like, it was just a very, very different environment for weddings. There weren't wedding blogs. There wasn't Pinterest. Like it was a very different world. Now, when people are planning their weddings, they have so many resources. They have so many expectations of their wedding photography, not just their wedding, but their wedding photography specifically, that it's truly unrealistic for a single photographer to cover it sufficiently. Um, There's also just the fact that there's two of you. So for all sorts of situations, you want to be able to cover two angles. You also Sometimes it's like, oh, I'm photographing the toast, but like, I want my second shooter photographing the couple reacting, or I want them photographing the guests reacting. So there's like, there are different aspects of, of things that are happening during a wedding day as well that I think need to be covered. And then finally, there's just like, it's always good to have a backup. Like it's always good. You know, I mean, I shoot to two cards. I shoot with really high fidelity cards. Like we do everything we can in our power to not have anything go wrong. Um, but life is life and it's really good. You know, it's like in the old days, you couldn't do that. You had a roll of film, you had one roll of film. And if that roll of film, if something happens to it, if it's, you know, exposed wrong or processed wrong or whatever, you're out of luck. You know, to this point, I have a good friend who got married in New York city at a restaurant, much like me. And someone wandered in off the street and stole the lead photographer's camera. There's security footage of it all happening. They never found it. They never found the guy, but the assistant or the second shooter, I'm not sure, but they, there was some footage because there was another photographer involved. So like exactly to your point. We are supported by Ombre Lab. Are you struggling with bloating, moodiness, constipation, weight gain, or acne, and you just can't figure out why? Well, the answer could literally be in your gut. Your gut contains trillions of bacteria, both good and bad, 
And when your body doesn't have enough good bacteria, the bad bacteria flourishes. And when this happens, it can cause all kinds of symptoms. Ombre Lab makes it really easy to check on your gut health by offering an at-home test that can measure your bacteria levels. The test will ship right to your door with easy-to-follow instructions, and then when you get your results, they'll give you a detailed breakdown of your gut bacteria, let you know what foods to eat more or less of, plus send you personalized probiotics to heal your gut with a subscription. I did this at-home test. It could not have been easier. So if you want to start feeling better, visit ombrelab.com and enter code OBSESSED at checkout for $30 off your first at-home test. That's ombrelab.com with code OBSESSED at checkout for $30 off your first test. For more information, just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes for this episode. Thank you to Ombre Lab for sponsoring this podcast. So guys, Tina and I love therapy. We have weekly FaceTime therapy sessions, and it's what gives us the tools to help us through all the things that come up in life, relationship, career issues, self-esteem building, learning boundaries, you name it. So BetterHelp offers easy, accessible, and affordable virtual therapy options. So first of all, finding a therapist can be really daunting. And with BetterHelp, you don't have to do any of the research because they will do that work for you and they'll match you with a therapist in under 48 hours. Second, it's incredibly convenient because you don't even have to leave your home. BetterHelp offers video, phone, and live chat sessions. It's honestly always a good time to invest in yourself and invest in your mental health. So Give BetterHelp a try and see for yourself why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp. We have a special offer just for our obsessed listeners. So for 10% off your first month of professional virtual therapy, just go to BetterHelp.com and enter code OBSESSED at checkout. That is BetterHelp.com with code OBSESSED at checkout for 10% off your first month of virtual therapy. For more information, just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes for this episode. And thank you, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this podcast. Can you talk about your prep? So like when you're making a shot list, this goes into people management, family dynamics, because a lot of times at a wedding, you want to get, okay, the each side of the family, the bridesmaids. So you have to know people's names. You have to get to know the family dynamics, what they want, what they don't want. Can you talk about how you prepare that shot list? Absolutely. I, I love doing shot lists, honestly. Like, I think they're really fun. Um, I always, so I have a worksheet that's like a very like easy online fillable that I send to my clients that they fill in who everybody is. And then from that, what I do, I find this most efficient. I don't like to give people a ton of homework. And I also just, I tend to have a, like, because I've done this so many times, I tend to have a really solid idea of the photos that they're likely going to want. So what I do is I take that worksheet and I build out a suggested shoot list. Then I send it to them and I go, do you love this? Add it, subtract from it. You don't need this shot. I missed this shot. The other thing that I ask a lot is like, are there dynamics I need to know about? You know, is there anybody here that has a medical condition I should know about? Does anybody have, um, are there parents who won't talk to to each other anymore? Like it's, it's tough to ask these questions to the couple to be like, Hey, I hate to have to ask this, but is there anything I should know so that I don't demand something of somebody that they're not happy about or ask something of somebody that they're not happy about? Like as much as I can know, I want to know in advance because it helps me be a lot more professional at what I'm doing. Um, so when I, so when I build those shoot lists, it's very much like, I know if I know who your mom is, who your dad is, who your siblings are, you know, all of that. It's like, I can build out a very, not just like logical shoot list in terms of like what photos you're probably going to want, but also a logical shoot list in terms of like building out shots in the most efficient way possible. So that when we're on the, on the ground. It's like, I take a lot of care informals. I think that they're the photos. They're not sexy. They're, they're not really that fun, but they're the ones that like 10, 20 years from now, you're gonna be like, Oh my God, I'm so glad that we have these formal portraits from the, the wedding family mm-hmm. portrait of like, because that's what people look back on when mm-hmm. someone passes away or when, and you brought up such a good point. If there's any landmine medical condition, 
you know, interesting or touchy family dynamic, let your, all of your vendors know, like let your photographer know, your makeup artist, your planner, everyone, because we're not dealing with professionals taking a photo. You're dealing with real people who are just doing their best to show up like on that day. So that is such a good point. Mm -hmm. So Shanti, can you speak to why is wedding photography so expensive? I feel like we explained it, but you know, we have, it is a long, long day. You are managing people while taking photos in all different styles. And then there's also the editing. So the most common questions people ask about wedding (laughs) photography is why is it so expensive? And why does it take so long to get my photos? We talk about this a lot. It's a lot of work. A wedding is a lot of work. And not just on a skill-based level, but also on a time level. I spent, I mean, it's, it's hard to do the math. I really should just track my time better, but I don't. Um, But, you know, I mean, the estimate is like you spend like three hours editing for every hour you spend shooting that day. You are, I also, you know, it's like, I take a lot of care in it. I, it's something that like, I don't want to deliver substandard work and I could do it a lot faster if I didn't care. So for me, wanting color to be right, wanting those edits to be precise and be really beautiful and really up to the standard of what my clients can expect. You know, I want them to look at the photos and go, yeah, this is, this is Shanti Knight work. This is, this is at that level. And it does take time. And then the fact that I'm also paying other people, you know, I pay an assistant, I pay a second shooter. Like I pay the people on my team as well to be there to support it. I always have an assistant on the day of, because that is also a part of me giving the client good care. I don't want to be like not doing something with the client because I'm busy, like setting up lights or carrying something. It's like, I need to have the assistant doing all sorts of those smaller tasks so that I can be focused on the client. Right. And exactly. I spent, yeah. I spent personally, I spent years assisting, not just my dad, but then assisting other photographers. And I I take it like it, it's helped me a lot because like, I think if I hadn't spent all that time assisting, I would like feel, I wouldn't fully understand what an assistant can do for you. And I also wouldn't, I wouldn't feel as comfortable asking assistants to do stuff, but I'm also like, Hey, I've been here. I've done it. Like I've carried so many bags. Like I have, I have, I am like, I am a veteran assistant as well. So I'm like, you know what, if I've assisted, you can assist. Here's what I need you to do. And it's, but it is, it's all about going back to focusing on the client and what does the client need? Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. as we discovered you, as we just talked about, when you're a bride, you are being photographed from morning till night, the longest day you are moving, you are sweating. There is so much attention put on you. And then you have these photos for the rest of your life. Therefore, (laughs) Makeup is important. It's not an average day. It is the opposite of an average day. There's a lot coming at you. So let's get into makeup. Why is makeup so important? Why is it different? And I'm excited to chat with you, Shanti, about this and what your ideas are, what you hear about this. So I actually this year decided I'm no longer taking on bridal clients because it's so hard. It is such a hard job. And I just, I wasn't cut out for it. I'll be honest. It, it, and I, so I did some weddings and it was like, I, it was very much, um, uh, baptism by fire, like how I learned how to do it. Like I was thrown in and I had like eight, uh, girls that I was getting ready at, like all before 8am. And I was like, it was traumatizing. Um, and you become like their therapist, you become, um, like these people's best friend, the, the problem solver, the you know person calming everyone down. It's a really high pressure job and I was not cut out for it. And so I applaud anyone who does anything bridal. <laughs> but <laughs> let's talk about the do's and don'ts of makeup and like why it is so important. Um, like, cause Alex said, it, it needs to last all damn day. And people ask me too, why, why is uh, bridal makeup so expensive? Well, it's because, you know, I'm using different products on that day than I normally would. You know, if I'm in a headshot shoot that I have controlled temperatures and I need your, your makeup to last for one shot and your hair, you know, I can 
hold things together with just the bare minimum. With bridal, you know, you need it to last all day. So I, do we want to get into... So let's also, let's get into all of it. And also bridal hair and makeup involves a trial. So that's a whole other day before you try the hair and makeup out. So that's a whole nother booking. Yeah, let's get into whatever you want to get into. Okay, great. Um, So I want to talk about sort of like the do's and don'ts, what we want, like, and I want to hear your advice too, Shanti, on anything you hear. Um, But I mean, this is something that Alex and I talk about all the damn time about prepping your skin and having sort of doing all the prep work leading up. So hydrating, Mm. you know, making sure that you're eating the day of your wedding um, and drinking tons of water, using a ton of chapstick and exfoliating. I would recommend getting a facial or any sort of treatment at least five days before the the wedding day. Yeah. For God's sake, don't do any new sort of peel or situation you've never done the night before or experiment with eyebrow tattooing or threading. Don't do any experiments the day before or like, yeah, it has to be at least five days out. And like another thing to not do at least two weeks before your wedding, because I have seen this before, cupping. (gasps) Oh (laughs) my God. You're so right. I can totally see someone doing that. And yeah, because you're like, oh, it sounds so nice and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, but do it like three weeks before your wedding. Yes. Because you need those marks to fade. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's like if if they're in a shot that like I can I can take them out, like it, but but you also have them the day of. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. Well, so- and I've had some bridesmaids show up or brides be like, oh, I just got back from vacation and I have a horrible sunburn. And they've got this like crazy sunburn with tan lines. And I'm like, they're like, can you cover it up? I'm like, I, I don't perform miracles, but I'll sure try. <laughs> I, I, so I can do. Way. Yeah. There's, there, there are certain things where you're like, I, I don't perform miracles. I do. I, I do a lot of great stuff, but that is not something I do. Like I, right. I can only take this so far. And, um, so it's like, yeah, I think generally it's like, yeah, hire a great team, have like, you have a lot of confidence in, but also <laughs> they can't do everything for you. Like you do, there is a, there is a, the self-care aspect of it and, and the awareness aspect of it. Totally. Totally. Um, but yeah, I would, I would test everything out. Yeah. You do your trial. Um, it's much like, you know, you were saying you, you do a lot of prep work. There's a lot of things that happen before you're meeting the family, you're getting all the logistics out so that the day of you're not, you've already talked about it all. You've already decided what you want. You're not thinking about you know, well, I don't know if I want this or that, the other thing you already know, test out lashes. Yeah. I always tell my clients because we, I do the worksheet and then I send them that shoot list and then they send it back and we do the edits. And then we have a meeting, uh, just a few days before the wedding to go over the entire timeline and shoot list and cover everything. And I always say to them on your wedding day, you shouldn't have to make almost no, like you shouldn't have to make any decisions on your wedding day. I don't want to be asking questions like, Oh, do you want a picture with that? Like, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. We should, we should not be asking questions on the wedding day that could have been answered two weeks ago. Doesn't mean there aren't room for audibles. There's always room for audibles. Things change. It's an uncontrolled event. Life happens, right? It's not that things aren't changing, but it's that we have a blueprint. And I think it's the same with hair and makeup. The other thing I'll say about the hair and makeup trial is to really optimize that. You can always do a bridal shoot on the day of your trial. That's a really good idea. That's a really good idea. And yeah, all of this to say, we're all three saying the same thing. Experiment, ask all the questions, plan all the things before the week before, because you want to be able to enjoy your day. So let's talk about the trial. What should happen with inspiration photos, lashes? Like what should we what do we need to solve at your trial, which is a must? So hair and makeup trial, what's the goal? I would say to be as specific as possible. I've had brides say, okay, here are all my inspiration pictures. And it ranges from no makeup to a full Kardashian glam. And I'm like, okay, so what is it that you like about each of these photos? Well, I just like how their face looks. Okay. Do you like the lashes? Do you like the contour? You know, I, I really, a lot of, I, a lot of brides that I've had have said, you know, I don't wear a lot of makeup. I don't wear a lot of makeup. I don't want to, I want to look like myself. I don't want to have it it cakey. 
Okay, well, this is a very different day in your life, and you're having photos taken at very high resolution and bright, there's either bright lights or, you know, it's it's not just your average day. So I, I do a lot of like talking down the bride of like, yes, it might feel like a lot of makeup, but I promise it, promise it's worth it and you're going to want it. Right. Cause you're going to get washed out with yes. all of the flashes in your face. And you also, there, maybe you're getting married outside yes. and you're sweating. Do you want to look sweaty? Like, you know, there's yes. all these things to think about. So let's also talk about the timing, Tina, and the scheduling. I, my opinion is that the same makeup artist it might not be the best to have the bridal makeup artist do all the bridesmaids because sometimes there's not enough hours in the day and the bride needs extra attention and she needs touch up. So can you talk about when a bride is scheduling a makeup artist for the bride? Maybe she wants makeup for everyone. Bride, bridesmaids, mother of the bride. Like how do you, does she go about that? So this is my personal experience and preference um, I have said that I will do maximum four people, including the bride. After that, I have to bring in an assistant. I have to bring in a second person. Um, and I typically like to allow 45 minutes for each bridesmaid um, or mother of the bride or mother of the groom um, with a 15-minute break to change out brushes, sanitize workspace, change things over, kind of clean up prep for the next person. Um, so each time slot is an hour. Um, and I, and like I said, I add, I have like up to four people for me personally before I need to bring in somebody else. Um, and then I like for the bride, I plan for an hour and a half. I want an hour and a half because I want her rested. I do her very last. Um, I want her, um, maybe I do a face mask for her, um, for the first 10, 15 minutes while she sips her mimosa um, you know, cause she's also like running the show and she's talking to people and she's kind of doing last minute, you know, phone calls or texts or whatever. But I want that to be just like no stress, low pressure. Um, so that's kind of how I like to plan it out. But I also make sure that when we're in talk early on, um, that, that she gets me that schedule like ASAP. So it's like, okay, send me the girls, send me, if you can send me a picture of them, their names, who you want to go first. Um, and then we're going to give them call times and be like, okay, this is when you show up. This is what I need from you. You know, clean, bare face. Let's hydrate the day before. Let's uh, make sure we're moisturized, all of these things. Um, but that's, kind of, that's what I was doing. I love that, Tina. You know, I have to say, I, not every, not every wedding makeup artist is that awesome. Um, hire a good one. The moral of the story is hire a really good yeah. one. Hire one that's thinking in that realm. Um, I think that, you know, I, I couldn't agree more in terms of just like giving the bride that space, allowing that time, because I mean, it, it really is, it's wild. How many wedding days, like quite frankly, in my world, it's like, if the wedding day is like on schedule, we're like, interesting. We're mm -hmm. just right on time. Huh? All right. You know, it's like behind is the norm and more often than not, it's the makeup. People are sometimes shocked by, oh, my makeup call is 7 a.m. It's like, yeah, because mm -hmm. everyone else here has a makeup call. and Or you can go the route for my wedding. My bridesmaids are all actresses. They know how to do their hair and makeup. Mm -hmm. They didn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. I was like, do you guys want hair and makeup? They're like, no, we got this. So we just like, you know, we cut that. It was just, just for me. Something else to be clear about. Make sure you know what you want in terms of hair and makeup because not every makeup artist does full hair. There's a difference between full hair and light hair. Light hair mm -hmm. means touching up what you already did. Full hair sometimes means you can come with your hair wet and they will do full blowout, mm -hmm. updo, whatever. So Tina, I know you do light hair, but mm -hmm. that's something to talk about. Really be clear about beforehand. Absolutely. Uh, it's all about communication and like really managing expectations throughout the entire process to be like, here is what I, and I'm, I got very, very frank, very early on being like, here's what I do. Here's what I don't do. Um, I just want you to be like super aware of like all of the things. Um, okay. Wait, I have a question for you, Shanti, because this is like, this might ruffle some feathers. This might be a controversial topic, but sunscreen on the mm. day of the wedding. Um, I, tend to avoid it. I know we're outside. I know that this is a beauty podcast. We're all about taking care of that skin. But my fear is always that there's going to be a white cast in the photos. Even if you go super light, 
it just, I find that when I apply sunscreen, it doesn't photograph well. Have you found, have you dealt with any of that? I, I would definitely avoid it. I know it's, I know I'm a sunscreen everyday girl, Mm -hmm. um, but it's one day and it's pictures, like you said, Alex, that you're going to have forever. I wouldn't risk it. Yeah. So sunscreen creates a white cast and maybe you won't notice it in real life, but you will notice it with the flash. There are a few that are mineral and that don't, but if that's not your thing, if that's not a thing you've researched and that you have tested, like just, just leave it alone for that one day. The other thing I think is like you said, Tina, you know, there are, we are capturing so much on this sensor, on this camera sensor. And I think that it's also really important to minimize the layers of product that are on your skin when there's a camera capturing so much. Like it's stuff, like you said, we don't notice it in real life. I will say for the record, I am wearing the Say Sun Visor right now. Me too. I was just going to say, Say Sun Visor is not going to do that. Correct. But again, if you haven't tested it on your skin, you know, if it's not something that you're an expert on, ditch it. But yeah, yeah. say sun visor. I was yes. just going to say it. I'm also wearing it right now. It's, We're the, best. Always, it's the best. I mean, I, I, it's my daily. The only, I, I, the other, my backup SPF is, um, the Aveda daily light guard. Oh. Um, it's really nice. It's mineral and it's very liquidy. So it goes on like super thin, but it, and it soaks in. So it, but it, but that will absolutely have a white cast. Versus the say is like the only one. That's the only SPF that I've experienced that I would consider for a wedding. Yes. Yes. Me too. Agreed. Same. Agreed. Agreed. So makeup, let's talk about touch-ups. The bride needs a touch-up. You need The makeup artist needs to stay for a touch-up, which is again, if we're talking about bridal makeup, there's so much involved, which makes it expensive. This is another one. It's like the makeup artist doesn't just do the bride's makeup and then it's like, see you never, you know, like, well, that's a really excellent point because the hair stylists do, they come in, they do the hair, they leave. And for the first few weddings that I was, I, I did, I said, oh yeah, I, I stay for touch-ups, which I then realized I needed to be more specific about that because you're there at 7am and you're doing makeup all day. And then you say, I'm going to stay for touch-ups. Well, is that till after the ceremony? Is that a touch-up after the ceremony, after the reception, after, like, how long are you staying? So I ended up kind of sitting around for many hours, many, many hours that I didn't add into my, you know, budget. I didn't add into my fee. Um, And there was one wedding, and actually this was like one of my favorite weddings that I did. I was in Vermont and I was so taken care of by the bride and her family. They were absolutely wonderful. Um... And they said, you know, stay, you know, they had a hotel room for me and it was in this beautiful resort, stay for the wedding, stay for the reception, all this stuff. And, um, I get the bride done and we're, we're standing there like touching her up and she's about to walk outside of the resort. The wedding's outside, the skies opened up and it was a torrential downpour. I mean, I've never seen rain like that before in my life. Everyone's sitting outside. They're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And the bride was like, well, let's go. Let's go. This will be fun. And so she walks down. God the bless aisle. her. Oh yeah, she. I would have not was the cool. Like, <laughs> I mean, oh no, I would have been like, no, everybody inside. No, but she was like, well, we're here, so let's do it. And I was like, oh my god, I just did this. You know, she's got her hair done and her makeup's all done. So she goes and gets married in the pouring rain. Everybody comes back in. All the bridesmaids come um, back to the like kind of holding room, and. Like, thank God I stayed. I went, ran out to my room, got my blow dryer because the hair people had already left. I got the blow dryer, um, all of my hot tools. I got anything I could and I blew dry everybody's dress, their hair. I recurled their hair, um, did as much touch up as I could. And it was just like stuff like that. And that, that to me was like, oh, I'm so glad I, I'm so glad I stayed. That was so, so worth it. But it's stuff like that that happens. These things happen. These things are part of the experience. Um, Right. I always explain it as like, it's a, the wedding is the dress rehearsal and then you don't get to do the show. Like it's the first time you put everything together and also the only time. Right. Back to touch-ups. I will say, um, I learned this from one of, I've assisted her and she's assisted me, Carly Hughes. She's an amazing makeup artist in the city. Um, one of the first weddings that I assisted her on, she did this great thing 
where everybody got, she, she created these little um, satchels of touch-up kits for everybody because we weren't staying. We were doing the makeup and then we were leaving. So she made just a little, she ordered these Amazon beautiful little sachets and inside were blotting papers, a Q-tip. Um, there was little jars um, or she would get like a, a miniature version of the lipstick that she used on them. Um, there were like mascara ones, just anything like, just like little thing, a mint, um, a makeup remover, a little makeup, individual makeup remover wipe, just a little touch up kit, which is a nice touch for makeup artists to send. Um, oh, and some, uh, a little bit of powder, um, which I like to put in a Kleenex, um, like a little powder and then like put a little powder puff and like wrap the powder puff in the, in the Kleenex or, uh, a muffin, uh, paper like yeah 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 those little yeah that that's um easy to do too yeah it's so cute it's a nice touch and then I like to give the maid of honor the bride's touch-up kit and I say okay here's her touch-up kit you're in charge you know keep this and it's just tiny and you can tuck it in your bouquet and nobody has to see it and it's just a great little thing to have for any last minute touch-ups that you can do on your own yeah, Absolutely. for sure. And to the touch up point. So I, I booked a hair and makeup gal that did full hair and makeup. And then she had in her breakdown, okay, do you want me to stay for touch ups? That was kind of like an at, like that was a little more. And I definitely chose that. So we've recently learned just how many toxic ingredients are in our nail polish, but I love doing my nails. I'm sure you love doing your nails, which is why we love K Ferrara Color because it's a luxurious nail polish and hand cream line that uses all clean formulas. You know I love that hand cream. I'm obsessed with it. After I've had a long day of sanitizing my hands and working with makeup and doing all that, my hands are so dry and I love the hand cream treatment. It is a lifesaver for dry, cracked hands. K for our color offers gorgeous colors plus base coat, top coat, and quick dry options, which I've used so many times when I've got to get out the door. The other thing I love is K for our color has a children's line, which has been a gift for my nieces many, many times. So if you are a person that just loves to get your nails done at the salon, you can bring it with you. You can bring your K Ferrara color with you to the salon. And if you're a person that likes to get a gel mani, you can use K Ferrara color on your pedicure or it really makes an amazing gift for anyone in your life of literally any age who appreciates clean beauty and clean formulas. For 15% off your order, go to kferraracolor.com and use code OBSESSED15 at checkout. That's kferraracolor.com with code OBSESSED, the number 15, at checkout for 15% off your nail polish or hand cream. For more information, just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes for this episode. So as you probably know, two of my biggest passions are clean beauty and supporting female-founded brands. Which is why when it comes to makeup and skincare, Beauty Counter has been one of my favorite go-to brands for years. Their makeup looks incredible and their skincare really and truly works. Plus, they use non-toxic ingredients and are environmental working group certified. The two beauty products I absolutely can't live without are their vitamin C serum and the Dew Skin Tinted Moisturizer. I use both of these products every single day and I never travel without them. We don't have to be putting toxic chemicals all over our skin anymore because there is a better option. So if you'd like to shop some clean beauty with Obsessed with the Best, go to beautycounter.com obsessed and then enter code CLEANFORALL20 at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. That's beautycounter.com obsessed and code CLEANFORALL20 at checkout. Or just scroll down to the show notes for this episode for more details. I'm a major advocate for seeing each other prior to the ceremony. Like I will, I, I will go to the ends of the earth to advocate for that. And if you want me to talk on that more later. Yes, I- a first look. Yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, I was so against this. I was so against it. And then we ended up doing it. And it was the best because then we got our, all the formal portraits were done before the ceremony. Because and so that, then, 
Yes. And when you're looking your most fresh and you haven't cried and you haven't been out in weather or like whatever, all the formal portraits were done. And then by the time the ceremony was over, we just, it was like party time. No one after the ceremony wants to be like, hey, where's Aunt Fran? We can't find her. She's in the bathroom. She has to be in this portrait. Wait, where'd the bridesmaids go? Someone find them. It's like, oh my God. No, it was all done. It was all done. So let's chat about planning. So I, Am I got married in New York City in 2019. Best wedding of all time. I will die on this hill. Alex and Vinny's wedding, everything was perfect. It was like the best of everything. That's very sweet. I and it. I have to say, I we were ahead of schedule the entire day. And that I, does not surprise me even a little bit. No, I mean, or Kathy Ferrara's daughter. Yes. <laughs> because here's the thing. I know myself and I know I was like, if I don't have this locked and loaded, I will be the one running around with the clipboard, telling everyone what to do like I do when I'm the maid of honor. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, I'm not going to have that. I am having all of my things crossed off the list before that weekend, because then I'm not, it's not my thing. I'm going to just relax and enjoy. So I'm a huge, one of my biggest pieces of advice, I'm a huge advocate for a month of planner because a full wedding planner can be crazy expensive. And also I knew what I wanted. I could plan my own wedding. So the month of planner is an option that comes in at the end when everything's hitting the fan. All the vendors are asking you questions. You have to come up with the schedule. You have to come up with the timeline. You have to communicate all the details to your out-of-town relatives. You have to, that that month before is the busiest month. And she comes in. We use this service called Modern Rebel. Huge, huge fan of them. Rebel. Without a cause. Yes. Modern Rebel. They're very, they pride themselves on being very LGBTQ friendly and my wedding was all walks of life. We have my extremely conservative uncle in his 70s. We have my friend who is trans. We have the LGBTQ community of New York City. We have, I mean, you name it. And I just, I wanted someone I could trust in that way. They are, they were amazing. And we worked with this month of wedding planner via Zoom all month. Then we did in-person meetings, meetings the week before. So by the time the wedding weekend came, she knew all the major players involved. She had my mom's cell phone numbers. She at cell phone numbers. She knew all the bridesmaids. She knew all the vendors. She had talked to them. She knew the dynamics. She knew what was going on. And I could just chill. There is a day of coordinator and there's a weekend of coordinator. Great. If that's, but my opinion is they spend half that time figuring out what's going on. Mm. If they're coming in for the day, they they're it's very like, oh, who's who and 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 I will say it's what? really nice as a vendor to like have that person that's not the bride that yeah. you're talking to. I mean, I've been in situations where I wasn't in charge, where um we get to the next location for the bridal party portraits and none of the bridesmaids brought the bouquets. It, that is a huge thing. That and was it. Okay. We need a planner here. We need somebody who is watching these details. And I think the month of is a huge deal because it is, you don't just walk in. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like what I was saying earlier about me wanting to ask them about dynamics, about like medical conditions that I'm not aware of. Like, you don't just walk in. These are people. Exactly. <laughs> these are, these are people yeah. and families and friend groups that are like, have exactly have a lot of, of <laughs> substance to them. There's a lot going on. She created a detailed timeline down to like every 30 minutes that I could just email to all my entire family in the bridal party. So I didn't have to field 60 million questions about what was going on. The, I think that that's a huge deal to send that to the bridal party, to the family members. And, you know, my dad and I work together a lot. We often say, you know, tell them what you need to tell them to make sure they are there at this time. So if they're a person who tends to be 15 minutes late, tell them 15 minutes earlier than they need to actually be there. Like whatever you need to tell them to get to them to the place where they need to be and when, because if you don't have a wedding day like Alex's and you actually are not ahead of schedule or right on time, it just 
complicates things. I, I personally, I always build cushion into my timelines. Like I, mm-hmm. I plan my timelines out because I want my, or I want the formal portraits to be finished 60 minutes before the ceremony start time, because I have, I do not want to see a bride head straight out of formal portraits and down the aisle. Like mm-hmm. that is madness. That's madness. She needs to sit down. She needs to have a drink of water. She probably needs a makeup touch up. She needs to just also, she just needs to be alone in her own mind for like 10 minutes. Like, yeah, maybe she wants to talk to her mom. Maybe (laughs) you know what I mean? My other huge piece of advice is have another dress. So I had this gorgeous wedding dress that I loved it. I was like, I'm not going to want to change out of it. Like I'm going to want to be in my dress. You never know how you're going to feel or what's going to happen. I had had bronchitis the two weeks before my wedding and I had sliced my hand open and gotten six stitches two days before my wedding. (laughs) So I wasn't sick anymore or anything, but like my body had been through a lot. Like it had just been through a lot. And by the end of my dress was corseted by the end of the day, I was like just getting so hot and I just wanted to like take a deep breath and I didn't bring anything to change into. So I actually had the best man sped uptown in a cab, got my silk like white rehearsal dinner dress, came back. I don't know how he literally made it back in like 15 minutes and saved the wedding. And I changed and I was like, oh, you became a different person. You transformed. It was like Cinderella, like like it was amazing. It was amazing. It was. And that was literally the only hitch that day it was like, and it was like 25 minutes because the best man was able to. So just have a different dress. What if you spill something? What if you're hot? What if something pops on it? Like what? Totally. Just bring it. Even if you're not, you know what I mean? That um, okay. So cool. You know, and I've never heard that framing on the second dress thing. I think it's always framed from like the perspective of like, Ooh, a party dress or like, whatever. Like I just like to, and I just wanted to have a second, like it's always framed from like a non-practical perspective. And but it's I so never, practical. Mm-hmm. I have never considered the pragmatic aspect of that. That is, that's really cool. It's so practical. The other thing is when you're a bride, people are traveling, people are spending money on an outfit. People are spending money on travel. People are taking off work. Like it is not that easy to be a wedding guest. So think through your guest experience from top to bottom. That was something that was so important to me. When they walk in, I wanted them to be welcomed with a glass of champagne. And I wrote everyone a little note about like why I was thankful to have them there. Like that's how I wanted it to start. Like the flow of the evening. I also think it's great to have the ceremony and the reception at the same venue. Because think about it. If you're traveling or if you're in the middle of nowhere, you're getting married at 10 a.m. The reception's at 5 what are your guests doing in the middle? Does everyone have a car? Does that, you know, so I'm a fan of this seamless ceremony right into the reception. Also of bathroom baskets. So like put little things in, again, people are traveling. So Tina, much like what your makeup artist would say, you know, for touch-up kits, put little, you know, you know, touch-up stuff in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. blotting papers, gum, tampons, like whatever it is. I also think if you want to create your own ceremony, I think it's helpful to have a professional, you know, who we did kind of like a non-denominational. We had this really cool woman, but she was a professional wedding ceremony gal. So it was really personal to us, but she understood how to like make it flow. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Absolutely. Um, yes. Let's mm-hmm. also talk about speeches real quick. Mm-hmm. I've been That's a maid of honor time. twice. Tina's been a maid of honor. We've both been bridesmaids. So my planner had a strict, she taught, she said, everyone's speeches can, you can't go longer than two minutes or something yes, like whatever that. her. Yeah. You guys, speeches when you're a maid of honor, short Mm -hmm. and sweet and do not roast people. Like I'm a big believer in that. I have been to weddings where people think it's funny to share an inside drunk, inside joke. And it's like, it's not funny to the great grandma or it's not funny to the new family's uncle who is very conservative. And, you know, it's just not. Yeah. Um, Short and sweet. I think everything short and sweet. Yes. I'll say for me, toasts are often my favorite part of the day or one of my favorite parts of the day. I think they are so fun because I often learn things about the couple that I didn't even know yet. 
Um, I think that they can just be so, so sweet. And I have also seen some real stinkers and like, I've Same. seen some stuff that's really, really not appropriate. And so I think that, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. It's like when in doubt, do not roast heartfelt is, is it heartfelt is the way to go. Also. um. Okay. I hope nobody who's done this is listening. Like, don't don't do a reading. According to Merriam Webster, <laughs> love is defined. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like it's it, it's a uh, it just doesn't it doesn't pack the the punch that I think people think it will. Yeah. It doesn't. I love the idea though of like telling people ahead of time, hey, will you do a speech at my wedding? We're keeping it to two minutes mm-hmm. because that also helps them sort of again. Man- or, I think it's all about managing expectations. Yeah. everywhere and every time aspect. you and basically time. you need to be a stage manager it's yeah. run of show it's yeah. all needs to be timed the other amazing maid of honor bridesmaid tip i have is especially if you're a maid of honor create what i'm calling a set bag bring a bag that has a lint roller safety pins lotion a snack hairspray. bottles of water hairspray uh ibuprofen like Anything anyone could need because stuff comes up. And as the maid of honor, you're kind of like the catch all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the thing I want to end with is do whatever the hell you want. And here's what I mean by that. I didn't want to do a big trip weekend. We did, you know, this is kind of how it was in the old days. We did my bachelorette party on a Friday and we, I got married on a Monday. If that's, you know what I mean? We did that. The other thing is, in terms of family dynamics, do what you want. So here's the example. My father has passed away. Vinny's parents are not dancers. They don't want to do the first dance. So in what world do we have to do first dances with parents if that's not a thing mm-hmm. we want? We took, we completely cut that out. Vinny and I did our first dance. And then everyone danced, you know, and then we, in writing our ceremony, we wanted to mention my father in some way. So we wrote in a line and we said, let's take a minute to think about Alex's dad. We know he's with us, you know? So for me, that was like, oh, that's a really good way to just have him be a part of that. So as opposed to some people do a station where they do a table of people who has passed, I didn't want to do that. I just wanted him mentioned in the ceremony. So do whatever you want. Like throw the rule book out the window. If you don't want to do a first dance, don't do it. If make your ceremony what you want. Like really make sure it's personal to you. Absolutely. And you know, I recently had a bride who um in their ceremony they like planted a little tree for her mother who had passed. Oh, I love like, that. I love the idea of coming up with with ways that honor them. I think that said, I'll say this as well. I think that I couldn't agree more with you, Alex, like do what feels right for you. Don't do traditions that don't feel authentic. I think that sometimes there's, um, people are compelled to like, well, I should do something different. And it's like, well, you don't have to Mm. like these traditions. A lot of things really work well. Like, you know, I, I, I personally, I love a unity candle. You know, I don't think that there's anything I don't think there's anything inauthentic about doing a traditional thing in a wedding. I think, you know, and I have like a Taurus ascendant. So like, I love tradition, but like, I, you know, I think that like traditions that are meaningful are fantastic because traditions tie us together as people, you know, weddings are something that like it's 2023 and we're still getting married guys. I completely agree. I completely agree. Like some of these traditions are really beautiful. And so don't feel as a bride, well, I have to have the wedding that's different. And it's not going to be different. It's going to be specific to you, but there's still going to be a ceremony, probably food, music. and (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like you don't have to reinvent the wheel if you don't want to. You don't have to. And, and it doesn't, um, it doesn't, it doesn't inherently make it more special to just do something different just because it's not what everybody else does. I think mm-hmm. that it's like, find what feels good. If, if, 
a certain aspect of a tradition feels good, it doesn't make you any less unique as a human. <laughs> it just, it just ties us together as people. Traditions are things that tie us together as people. And so it's like, I couldn't agree more that I think that the, that using both tradition as like a blueprint and finding ways to make it your own is like a really a way to make a wedding that is truly memorable. You know, it's, it's about having, it's about having a memory of bringing your people together. You know, I've people all the time are like, Oh my God, people spend so much money on weddings. And it's like, I think about it as like, and they're like, you could just go to the courthouse. I'm like, I think you're spending money to throw like the best party of your life. Why on earth wouldn't you do that? Like why on earth, like who doesn't want to have the best party of their life? And right. like, it doesn't mean it's the last party of your life. It doesn't mean it's like, you know, it doesn't mean it's like, I, I, I tell you what, something that really grinds my gears is when people call the, like the best day of your life. And I'm like, I sure as hell hope not. Like, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. And so let's, let's get really more specific with that. So people say, you know, it's not about the wedding. It's not about the party. It's about the marriage. I don't care about, okay. So, but I will say one of the best memories, okay, I'm not going to say it's the best day of my life because I hope I have, you know, a lot more to come. But one of the best memories Mm -hmm. is all of my favorite people in one room from my high school friend to my New York City friend to my grandma doing like a conga line together Mm -hmm. and me standing in the middle of that room looking around and realizing this exact group that like covers is like a picture of my life will never be in this room again. So so that, so like, if you would like a wedding, like, please have a wedding, whatever that means for you. Cause that was very special. And the last thing I will say is get those thank you notes out everyone, because people spend a lot of money on gifts, you know, mm. and they want to know that you got it, that you got yeah. the gift, that you're thankful. So get them out as soon as possible. I love that. If we can go back to beauty for a little bit, I have some beauty thoughts that I'd love to share. I think something that is really important to consider is that wedding day beauty doesn't just happen the day of, which we've kind of touched on in terms of like hydration and moisturizing and all of that. Something that I'm always talking to people about is stretching out that spine, stretch it out, stretch it out. If somebody is compelled to get like one of those upright posture trainers or do a lot of yoga leading up to their wedding, I'm really in support of that because I think that it's like, I stretch people out in portraits as much as I can, But in those candid photos, if your posture isn't great, you're not going to get the benefits of it. So I think that's just important as much as you can just work on training your posture prior to your wedding day, because it's just going to make every photo that much better. That's such a good point because no one is going to love a photo of themselves that's hunched over. Mm -hmm. That's a really, really good point. Shanti, I think we covered so much. Thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. I feel like there's going to be so many takeaways for brides, maid of honors, mother of the brides, bridesmaids, so much info. So Shanti, if we want to follow you, book you, where can we find you? So I'm very, very Googleable. My name is Shanti Knight. So S-H-A-N-T-I-K-N-I-G-H-T. So Shanti, like in yoga class, Knight is in shining armor. <laughs> and I'm at ShantiKnight.com. I'm Shanti Knight on Instagram. And if you do go to ShantiKnight.com, I really encourage you to sign up for my newsletter. I send out tips about photography. I send out stories from the road. I travel a lot for my work. Um, I send out just all sorts of updates, um, from the world of wedding photo. And I, I definitely encourage you to sign up for the newsletter. And we're going to link your website, your Instagram in the episode notes for this episode. So you can find all that information, um, in the episode notes. Yep. Everyone just scroll on down to connect with Shanti. Shanti, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more content, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and give us a follow at Obsessed with the Best Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Hosted on dimlywit.com.